life might hand you budgets, schedules, family, and responsibility. But driving shouldn't be just another chore. We're here to help you find a car you love. Something that fits your budget and your needs, but is fun to drive and makes you look back. I'm Todd. I'm Paul. And this is the Everyday Driver Car to Be. So you probably saw on our Instagram feed, we went out for a little drive. We've started shooting mm -hmm. both cars. Mm -hmm. We've just started to do a little bit. And on Sunday, it was just a tiny bit, hour and a half or so yeah, yeah, that yeah. we got out. And, it was uh, actually more of a still, still shoot than anything, which we don't normally yeah. do, but we just yeah. realized we needed some stills. I mean, those of you that are looking on our other various feeds, you've seen both our cars together, but it's the, the GTS and the FRS. And we realized we need to update that photo. So yeah, we went out to get exactly. a lot of those photos, some drive-bys of your stuff, some beauties of mine for the f pieces we have coming, and then there's much more shooting to do. No kidding. I uh, Yeah, that was fun. It was just like a reminder. Man, these cars are fantastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Found a good road. We were up high. And uh, as we were standing there, I just was kind of standing absentmindedly. You were shooting something, and I was just kind of waiting for you to finish. And, you know, we're up in the mountains, and a bee buzzes by. <laughs> it's just kind of checking out the Lotus. I'm like, huh. I wonder if it's saying to itself, Dad? <laughs> you, you, you make a joke about it, but here's <laughs> the ridiculous thing. checking your car. I'm like, huh. It probably thinks, nah. Almost any time I park that car, <laughs> a bee a lands on it. I don't know if it's tried to figure out if it's come home to mama or if it should pollinate with it. I'm not sure which, but bees love my car. This is true. It's so funny. I mean, it's not, you know, it's not a Transformers, obviously. No, it's, it's not. not any of that but anyway i just thought it was funny but uh <laughs> fun to be out it was really nice was great. It was cleansing it was yeah 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 got some good driving in that it's coming up on twenty thousand miles from my car i need to get it in for the twenty thousand mile service oh so sure yeah yeah that's on my need mind to take it to our and, local uh, independent guy he, he will he will do it right yeah he'll fix me up i'm sure so yeah. gotta get that in there but guys thank you for joining us welcome to the podcast we've got a lot of questions coming in we and do. some great debates here mm-hmm you think I always say that. Great debates, but you guys have been writing some interesting stuff. And I, For sure. I enjoy reading through all the emails because it's, I mean, there's all kinds of stories in here and everybody's in such different places with their car disease mm -hmm. from mm -hmm. low to high. And so that's what I've picked for this podcast is John in Bend, Oregon. Yeah. He's 16 years old and he currently drives a 98 Toyota 4Runner. He says only 145,000 miles. Not bad for a 20-year-old yeah, car. isn't much That's for how old cars. This is very true. It's yeah. true. And that thing will probably run to 300 without mm -hmm. blinking. But he's got 10,000 to spend, and his Paul limiter is also 10 grand. So Which means he really has 10,000. thinking yeah. 10,000. Yeah. Contrast that with Kyle in Minnesota, who is actually shopping for his mother-in-law, which means he's got a great relationship with his mother-in-law. Apparently, That's yes. So news. congratulations, Kyle. That's cool. She's asked for car <laughs> advice from Kyle. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. She's turned to him and said, Kyle, I hate my new Lexus SUV, which is a 2017 egg, mm -hmm. the RX 350. What's more fascinating, we'll get into it in more detail, but what's more fascinating to me is she had a Lexus egg before that. She had a 2012 RX. Right. And she's got the new one, and she's going, I don't like this new one. What do I have it for? And that's where the dilemma comes in. It's actually very interesting. Yeah, this is going to be fun. I mean, quite a contrast between the two. So. We'll start there. We've mm -hmm. got to jump in here because we've got a lot of questions, and we figured we'd spend a little bit more time. It's, it always seems like we get rattling off all kinds of news and stuff up at the top. Sure, so yeah. let's just jump right in okay. and start with John here, who's 16, as I said, up in Oregon. And uh, he also says, I would like to let you know that all this talk about your getting your daily triple doesn't help the responsibilities of a 16-year-old driver. This is fair. Especially is driving fair. a 20-year-old yeah. Toyota truck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yes, I'm guessing the forerunner will probably never ever see that speed it might i mean my old caprice classic my old, one of my caprice classics that i had thanks to hand me down from my father had the you remember that time in american car history where none of the speedos could go above 85 oh yes yes that was yes. supposed to keep people going slower i actually do have memories early on in my car driving career of pegging the needle of a caprice <laughs> which means i was probably doing 90 95 you know i don't know awesome. because the speedo was now was pegged. That the, was that dials or was that the horizontal bar? yeah the big the big bar the whole bar, well but right? one of the caprice Caprices we had had a bar, and then later ones had had dials. It depended on which caprice. I mean, remember we so had many strange. caprices. Yes, we've got all this space on the instrument panel. What should we fill it with? I don't know. How about a needle that moves from one end of the car to the other? Exactly. Sure, <laughs> we'll go with that. All right. So, John, I'm glad you wrote in. We've got some ideas here for you, but we want to talk this through with you because you're saying the forerunner is slow. You'd like something smoother, lower, faster. Mm -hmm. And you're thinking safer for your own good, being that you are 16 years yeah. old, 
but that I also like. new driver. If we go anything newer, he's safer. I mean, that's the truth of it. Yeah. You know, yeah. you think about how much safety technology, we're talking about 20 years old for mm-hmm. this car, how much safety technology has existed. I mean, this car is older than he is. Also, to keep that in mind. So all the safety Crazy. technology that has happened in the last 20 years of cars, anything he gets that's newer will be safer. Yeah, I can definitely see that. And, uh, you know, he's saying the obvious choice being the WRX, but apparently in Oregon, they're overpriced. Oregon, Utah, Maine, Colorado. Yeah, these are the places sponsored by Subaru. You're right. (laughs) Absolutely. Do not buy a Subaru in these states. Anyway, I I heard that CarMax was paying a premium for, I think it was Jeeps and Subarus, Hmm. because they need inventory to sell, and they'll ship it to those dealers. Because they'll ship anywhere. So for these cars, they would pay a little bit more than, you know, say, a Honda Accord or something like that. All right, so John really likes Audis. He likes the B7S4. He's worried about reading stuff about the timing chain, which is the same thing about the intermediate shaft bearing on Porsches, the IMS bearing on it's Porsches. In the same, yeah, it's in the same family. Good point. Yeah. I thought about that. Yeah. I mean, it's the same. We can we can find every car's problem if we dig long enough on oh, the internet. Oh, sure. Right? F- find an engine and then figure out what its issue is. That, yeah. that is a fairly short list. So the other piece of news here is that he's been saving for a car since he was in kindergarten. Mm-hmm. And he'd like his money to be spent well mm-hmm. and then not worry about expensive maintenance down the road. So let's dive in here. But yeah. We've got to start with insurance. I mean, 16-year-old driver. Yep. We're very accustomed, I think, you and I, to diving right in and thinking, all right, you're 25, you're 35. Yeah. You're, yeah, yeah. Doesn't matter if we get you something hot. You've got driving experience. John's 16. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we've got to really think about this. Yeah. I love that you are spending your own money because you said your parents are not helping this car. You're not helping out with this, which means you're going to be completely invested in ownership of this car, have more pride in it. It's your money. I think every kindergarten everywhere should start this save for a car. (laughs) But then of course, if they start now, by then it's It's going to be, it's going to be the the pod savings program. Yeah. Saving for your future ride share. This is true. (laughs) Sad to say. (laughs) Will people know how to use gas stations? Will they know how to Don't use know. them? Is Don't it just going to be snacks? It's a good question. And that's it? It's a very good question. Charge stations and a snack. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and the snacks will go all organic. 20 years from now, it's going to be like, I just like some jerky. I don't really eat jerky, but I just like to see some jerky on the counter. I just like to see some. The gas pumps are going to be decorations from way back when. <laughs> Remember when we did this? Yeah. <laughs> they had TV screens embedded in the pump that would shout at you. Yeah. Isn't that the Why greatest thing ever? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Anyway, all right. So, yeah, we've got to consider insurance. And as much as I would love to get you into a Mazda RX-8, John, mm. you're only 16. I mean, for 10 grand, you could probably find one of those. Many, many, many options. Yes. Bend, Oregon, you're saying is similar to Park City in terms of weather. Somewhat, yeah. So, you know, Todd has definitely proven rear-wheel drive in the snow is no yeah. problem. Yeah, agreed. Right. Agreed. Tires. Mm-hmm. And so I, as much as I, I've been thinking about this mm-hmm. since you wrote in, John, and I thought, <clears throat> Mazda RX-8, could we get you into that? But it'd be a stretch in terms of it'd be at the upper end of your budget for a good one. Yeah. But tires as well. For and sure. insurance on a hot sports car like that. That is the interesting uh, thing. I mean, John, this is the place where you have to kind of lay it at your feet and just say dig around. Because I, I, I would say to you... Two things. Jumping off of what Paul just said. First off, you said you're wondering if you need to have four-wheel drive. I'm going to say to you again, I know it's not a surprise. No, don't worry about your drive wheels. What car do you want? And then get good tires. But as Paul's saying, that means you have to have some of that $10,000 set aside for a separate set of tires, maybe a separate set of wheels. That might take $1,000 off of your workable money. You might instantly be at a $9,000 car. The other thing is, whatever we recommend, we have to put a little asterisk by it and say, pending your insurance check. Because I bet anything out of whatever list we have, and I'll start with that RX-8, there will be a couple cars in there that you'll be surprised by how inexpensive the insurance will be for you. Mm -hmm. But then there'll be cars on the other side where you're like, oh, this is my front runner. And they'll tell you the insurance price and be like, and it just died. So your situation in your area, that's not stuff we can look up for you. You're going to have to just go at your insurance company with a list of potential cars and see what's completely off the table right away. I like the idea. I mean, yeah, check first because mm-hmm. are your parents going to be carrying that insurance for you? I'm sure. wondering yeah. because of the blanket policy and mm-hmm. young driver, mm-hmm. they'll keep you on their policy. So, dad, mom, I got this awesome new car. The insurance is how much, son? Yeah, seriously, that's a problem. <laughs> Holy moly. Mm-hmm. So we've got to think about that. So like I said, I want to point you in that direction. 
But I'm going to stay with Mazda. Mazda 3s. Yes. We like. Definitely. And hopefully you can see the thread of manual transmission through all of these. It'd be great if you can, for sure. I think it's a life skill, Absolutely, yeah. I mean, who knows about pod driving? We'd never look up from our phones. Well, it's already... It's already here, right? <laughs> you're already driving that way. Learn you're supposed manual. to be driving, but yeah. Uh-huh. I mean, man, is it going to come in handy when you're on some camping trip and somebody says to you, hey, John, will you jump in the pickup truck and back the boat into the lake for us? <laughs> and you'll know how. It's yeah, a I guess. four-speed diesel, huge Ford Where is that truck something. living? In yeah, I see your point, You know though. what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. And, hey, yeah. could you back the huge boat in the trailer for us because I'm busy over here? Would you go do that for us? Yeah. And instead of standing there like a... a don't know how, you'll be happy to do it. I don't know that I've ever told you this story. Hmm. My dad, my, my grandfather, my dad's dad, was a farmer. He right. ran a trucking right. company and he was a farmer in, okay. in, in nowhere, Kansas, okay? <laughs> and my dad was an only child. And my grandfather, who was actually a very fun grandfather, was a really gruff, I'm not sure how to deal with you, dad. Hmm. He just didn't really know how to deal at a kid's level. Okay. By the time he was a grandfather, he was this big roly-poly grandfather. He literally dressed up as Santa for the entire town. That's who he was as a grandfather. That's the only way I knew him. Your grandfather is my grandfather. Santa? It's crazy, isn't it? But as a dad, he was very much just like, well, my son just works on the farm and he knows how to do stuff. Hmm. And when hmm. my dad was 12, he tells a story to me. I've heard it many, many times. When my, my dad was 12. He was in the field. Your story exactly reminded me of this. He was in the field with his <laughs> okay. father. And his dad said, hey, hey Dave, go, you see that truck over there? Go bring me that truck. Now, by the way, this was a huge dump truck in the farm field with a manual transmission. Oh, not a pickup truck, you're saying. My dad's never driven manual. Like a dump truck? There wasn't a discussion about, let me tell you how to go do this. It was just, go over there, bring me said truck. Wow. So my dad had to march across the field at 12, get in the thing, figure out how to get it moving. Oh, my God. There was no instruction. This was his introduction to manual transmission. How it crazy to this and day. what a story, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, that, and that's, I, I hate to say it, that's the quintessential uh, story of my dad and his dad. Hmm. And it, my dad still to this day, I mean, my grandfather's long dead, unfortunately, but to, still to this day, my father is kind of boggled by the kind of grandfather he became. Because as a dad, he was very much like, well, you know how to do this, just go do it. Right. Really interesting. Right. That's amazing. I mean, that's probably how your grandfather learned from it your may have great-grandfather. Been. It may have been just like, here's like, the truck. Let's go get it done. We're yeah. milking cows. We're doing this. We're doing that. Learn or uh, yeah. get trampled, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, nothing speeds the learning curve like imminent <laughs> like death. danger. You're right. That's a great point. I love that. <laughs> okay. So we've just coined our new T-shirt for this podcast. And uh, moving on, John. I'm thinking Mazda 3, but I'm also thinking Civic, maybe SI, but again, the insurance equation. And I think the Civics are going to be really problematic Eesh. for insurance. I think those yeah. are the cars that, that, that young drivers wreck. I hate to say it. Yeah. I, um, I mean, we could go the Mr. 2, you know, the Toyota yeah, MR2. You could, possibly. You could go way back to an 88, to the first gen. Yeah. You could find one. If you avoid those the turbos, you'd small. be okay. You'd, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But again, it just it's so dependent in this category, which is such a twist for young drivers for totally, us. Totally, yeah. I mean, really, it's almost twenty five or under, mm-hmm. as a matter of fact, for for young drivers. Yeah, so. yeah. Uh, I'm thinking in that vein, you could probably see that coming. I like your idea about Audis, but again, I want you to be, yeah, I want you to be happy and not get a money pit kind of a car. Agreed. That's a real problem. Grand. That's a real problem, yeah. Because yeah, we're yeah. really working with nine grand mm-hmm. to respect tires. Mm-hmm. No, so. you're right. That's a great point. I had a few. All right. I do want to reiterate again, John, don't think in drive wheels. You said you're wondering about four-wheel drive. Don't think in drive yeah. wheels. Think in, in smaller cars. You get front-wheel drive, rear-wheel drive. Just snow tires, and you will be fine. I, just And I'm going to actually call them winter tires. That's a better way to put it. Put those winter tires yeah, yeah. on in the winter. Snow or no snow, well, because of temperature of and exactly. ice has exactly nothing right. to do with snow. Totally. And so you're under 50 degrees steadily all winter. You're going to want those winter tires on. I did it with the FRS. There's nothing wrong with that. So don't worry about your drive wheels. I want to say that again. You kind of would like to have a hatchback if possible for the dogs and skis scenario of life, but it's not a requirement. So I like a lot of Paul's recommendations here. I'm going to say a couple. First off, look at the Focus. Hmm. See okay. what the Focus ST is for insurance. Go older. Go the last-gen Focus ST. Look at uh, – see if you can find one for your budget. And then check and just see what the insurance is. Because mm, I okay. think the Focus in the non-ST form has a surprisingly good dynamics about it. It's just got a good chassis. 
You can get that in the wagon without it being the ST, and I think you'd still really enjoy it. You can get it with the manual. Uh, I think you'll like the handling dynamics of that a lot. And it's got the hatchback shape. So I think that's a really good option is the focus. Okay. Um, like yes, it. I like your Mazda 3. Of course, that in hatchback would be great. Yeah, um, You could, if you want to go this route, if you want to go uh, German, I'm going to put these two out there. I would say research your insurance and research your problems with the year you're chasing. Either mm. a used Golf or maybe even a used Mini. I think a Mini would be cool. Oh, that's kind of interesting. But some of the early Minis, some of the combinations of early Minis were money pits. So, so do your research. The early cars. Beyond, be. beyond even just the insurance question, just do your research on is this possibly a money pit. Uh, I had a wild card, and then a, you're probably, you'd be surprised if I don't mention it. But the wild card is, so you're coming out of a pickup. What about a used Infiniti FX35 or 45? That's their CUV before everybody was making CUVs. It's their slightly mm. truck version of the G35 sedan. So you'd be talking first gen. Mm-hmm. Can you get those for 10 grand though? I did. I looked it up. Great. They're out there. They're That's out surprising. There. So you're talking about a SUV with some sporting intentions in engine and transmission, but it is an SUV in shape. That's a, that's a, that's my wild card. And then my you'd be surprised if I didn't say it. You can get them all day long for this price, John. Saab 92X. You can't find the WRX. Shop outside of your market. Get a 92X because nobody knows what it is. If you get the linear, that is the non-turbo, you'll be well under ten grand, and your insurance will be no problem. If you can get an arrow, check out your insurance. If you can get an arrow, that's the turbo now. You bought the WRX for cheaper because nobody's shopping Saab 92X. Man, we just it's so refreshing to talk Saab. Just... <laughs> Well, except except we're talking Saab, the only Saab that's actually a Subaru. Yeah. It never happens, but you're right. Is the STI steering rack available on both linear and aero? So it's I th- the turbo is think, just... I think it, it's on it, both. Is I'm it not, the same, I, and then the turbo differentiates because things, I believe right? so, because if, if memory serves, Subaru was... I mean, Saab was essentially just doing part choices as they go, and I don't think they did a different steering rack. It's the STI faster steering rack, I believe, on both. Now, the linear has smaller brakes. I do know that. Mm-hmm. The brakes are better on the on the arrow, and of course the engine is better. Um, but if you could get a manual, I know you could get a manual arrow for your money. My question is, what's your insurance on that car? And I simply don't know. Right, John. The point here is, you've got a long time to be a car enthusiast and work your way up. But again, being sixteen, when I was sixteen, I had a nineteen seventy seven Jeep Grand Cherokee that was rusting from the inside out. You've all heard this story. Yes. It. The, the needle, the gas needle moved at 60 miles an hour. I could watch it just slowly <laughs> I'll watch creep. it drain. I, yeah. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. So, yeah, I was driving that car. So you're great with a forerunner right now, but you're about to move to something probably pretty fun. And I think any yeah, of these choices so. could really work. Kind of yeah. depends on what you want. But just keep in mind, we don't have to get you an, into an M4 GTS right now. It's true. You have a little bit of time to wait. Yeah, got some be time. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's that's the big headline here. John, thank you so much for writing in. And uh, guys, thanks for listening. We'll take a quick break and be right back. Geico presents unhelpful home improvement how-tos. A slippery bathroom floor can result in expensive hospital bills. So today, I'll show you how to cushion a serious fall by filling your bathroom with thousands of plastic balls. Just nail a piece of plywood across the doorway and dump in 2,000 multicolored plastic balls. You could try to protect yourself with a bathroom full of plastic balls, or you could get liability coverage through the GEICO Insurance Agency. Visit GEICO.com and see how affordable renter's insurance can be. All right, moving on to the next debate from Kyle up in Minnesota, Mm -hmm. where they eat casserole and end their sentences with a preposition. Why not? I know this. I was born there, so I I can tease them because I was born there. Yeah, you can take take credit. I hear you. Okay. (laughs) Hey, guys, you want to go with? That's very Minnesota. Oh, yeah. So, Kyle, I had to tease you a little bit. Greetings from the land of 10,000 lakes. You're right, absolutely. And uh, I love that your mother-in-law turned to you being the car guy. Mm-hmm. And thanks for thinking of us. Because, yeah, definitely. Hi, mother-in-law. We don't know your name, but I'm sure Kyle is now sharing the podcast with Probably, you because yeah. we're about to suggest a lot of things. I'm really wondering why, though, you're not liking your egg because you had mm-hmm. the prior egg. Isn't that interesting? And now you've got the 2017 yeah. egg. So what's, she, she says she's, she's come to realize she hates her Lexus SUV. And if you stop the story right there, you go, okay, she doesn't like Lexus. No, no. She came out of a Lexus. Right. Right. So it's not like she went way off the map and went, I don't really like this. She got the next one. 
and kind of feels like she got taken and feels like she wound up with a car she doesn't actually like and got talked into, which is honestly tragic. I just, I mean, yeah, you, you probably took it to the Lexus dealer and said, I want to trade up. Yeah. I yeah. love the 2012. So naturally, the next one must be even better. Mm-hmm. You'd and think? that's not You'd the think? case. It's just not working for her, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, here's the thing here, guys, is um, Kyle, you're right. This is going to be a fun debate because she is brand agnostic. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Agreed. And she is the CEO of a profitable mental health company, but mm-hmm. doesn't take too much stock, as Kyle says here, in excessive luxury cars like Maybach, Rolls, Bentley. She wants luxury, but not too much luxury. And she wants an SUV. And it has to be an SUV. So simple, luxurious, reliability, mm-hmm. simplicity. Tech is a concern. Mm-hmm. So we're wide open. And as a matter of fact, reading further on down, Kyle says... There is no budget. I don't think anybody's written to us with a this sentence. Yeah, that that can that's actually a scary little sentence to throw out there. I, I still reined <laughs> everything in. I still stayed somewhere in the neighborhood of a loaded out Lexus. But you're right; we can go above that for sure. I mean, I, wow! I I I mean, the Lamborghini Urus is coming out soon. Bitly Bentega. <laughs> At least for everyone. Wow. All right. So also, the decision does not have to be right now. It gives you time for you to take her driving. She wants to go looking, which is great. That is yeah. That is the first step because she's going to find things she really doesn't like. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. then because you said she's open to any brand, that could really, yeah, just open up some yeah. some new yeah. areas, some, some likes. Wow, I didn't know I liked this brand. Mm-hmm. I like this new mm-hmm. model. Maybe I always had this perception, you know, preconceived notions about whatever it is. Yeah. Okay, so you suggested a few things here, BMWs, Audis, even a Range Rover, which apparently you're really pulling for a rangey. But she wouldn't mind a Toyota or more affordable brands if they fit her needs. Yeah, I mean, th- this, is, this is really cool because we're dealing in a situation where Kyle's mother-in-law is, as you said, both brands don't matter and we don't have a hard stop budget, mm-hmm. which is really cool. So yeah. it's this luxury SUV thing. It's got to have some good tech. Mm-hmm. I have three categories. I have two things in each category. Okay. I have a things you just, I don't care if you buy them. I don't care if they become short front runners, but two things I think you simply have to take your mother-in-law and get her to drive. Okay. Two things that I think need to be seriously considered you might not have thought of, and two things I think are on the short list for possible buys. And Interesting. And all in this SUV. I, I essentially chased the five-seat SUV with right. good tech, nice interior, good place to be. I uh, had a boss for a long time uh, designing furniture, as a matter of fact. Mm -hmm. His name's Richard, and his design approach was whenever somebody hired the small firm that I I worked for him, and and he was the the principal, he was the name on the door. So I did a lot of design work, and and big companies would come to him for projects. Steelcase, Gunlock, Brown Jordan Furniture, Mm -hmm. Tropitone, on and on and on. And so he would present one design. Mm -hmm. He would present one Mm -hmm. choice to the CEO, because typically you think, all right, I'll give them five choices, or I'll narrow it down to three, and they'll pick a little bit of choice A and a little bit of choice C, and we'll, of course they will. we'll make a new B number one. Uh-huh. And it just it distracts. It distracts from the concepts, the intention. And so he would always deliver one. And this is really stuck out to me, because CEOs mm. are not used to saying, here's the design you hired me to do. Yeah, they're not this used is to it. hearing that for it's sure. It's one, yeah. hmm. like it or go away. <laughs> you Honestly. hired me to design. Here is the design. Exactly yeah, right. Point. They don't get a say because CEO of said company, you're not a designer. That's not your expertise. That's why Fast, you hired me. Fascinating approach he had. I know it worked for him like crazy, but it is interesting because you, you just you think, I'm going to hire a designer and we're going to see 8 million variations. Yeah. You're this and guy I get you to work choose for, and then I have a hand the door in the decision-making. CEOs are used to, yeah. you know, yeah. here's this report and here's this article. What should we do? Well, let me help you out. Let me guide mm-hmm. you. No, no, no. Richard's doing that to the CEO. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. Now, I'm not going to do that for cars because there's so many brands and you might like some stuff and you might not like sure. others. Yeah, yeah. It, you, you probably saw where I was going. I, I cannot do that to these kinds of choices. But it just got me thinking. I've, I've always sort of thought yeah, yeah. when you and I are doing this debate, did we just say, here it is, one, well, we don't know your mother-in-law. We, sure. we don't know sure. everything. But I will say she's the CEO of a of a very profitable, profitable company. Yeah. company. Mm-hmm. So at every... 
more anything that we choose has to say CEO. Fair point. Because Fair there point. will be yeah. salespeople, there will be professionals yeah, sure. that might drive. Who knows what they'll drive? Yeah. Something really nice. Now, now we're we're building the other side of the. I can I drive a nicer car than my boss? Equation. Right. What you're doing is getting the boss in a really nice car, so nobody has to worry. Perfect. <laughs> Problem solved. Bentegas for everyone. Solved. Yes. If only Bugatti made a SUV. Just well, kidding. Brace yourself. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure. That's not exactly where I go. I'm going because I'm thinking of uh, size. And yes, price, mm-hmm. but I'm thinking of unique. Okay. This was my okay. approach because okay, the CEO, good. she should drive something unique and interesting. Maybe it didn't cost as much as the $100,000 Cadillac Escalade that somebody drives. Sure, sure. I hear you. Who cares? You. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's fine, but it's unique. And oh, what an interesting, intriguing mm, choice. Mm. Tell me more how you got there. Yeah, that interesting. Kind I see where of, you're going. I want yeah. that vehicle to do that. And so okay. that's what drove okay. me to say, great CEO unique, standout, doesn't have to be the most expensive thing. Sure. I know that's scary coming from me. It is. I, I'm kind of bracing myself. I'm very curious to hear your list. Crazy wild. But I will start at Porsche. We must talk about the Cayenne and the Macan both. Okay. I actually am kind of leaning towards the Macan because... Of the size. She mm-hmm. might actually appreciate the size, but go for the top end. Get a Macan Turbo. You something think? like this. Wow, okay. All right. I mean, fully loaded. It sits really nice. They're I mean, gorgeous. could go to GTS. Mm-hmm. Those are still 100 grand. The Macan S would be great. The Macan Honestly, S would be great. I don't think your mother-in-law would complain about I have the Macan on my list. And oh, you I, do? Okay. And, I'm, and that's actually on my, I think that's short list to buy is the Macan. I really think that car needs to be driven it's soon. It's up there. Yeah. It's up there. And, you know, I think about all these brands. I will steer you, pun intended, away from Maserati, specifically the Levante. Yeah, no. Don't do that. Please. It just seems like, you know... <laughs> New money. What's the first thing you buy? A Rolex. Yes. Yes. They're Next great is watches. the Maserati. <laughs> Don't buy a Maserati. Honestly, it's Jeep switch gear in there. You're right. It is. You yeah. open the door and think, ah, Jeep Grand Cherokee for 90 grand. Yeah. Fair point. No, fair thank point. you. Yeah. And they're unproven. And besides, they're ugly. Debate me on that one, but they're <laughs> Look ugly. out. The designer's throwing down. Yep. <laughs> so I'm saying no Maserati, no Lexus is out. Mm-hmm. Especially that new Lexus. Infinity doesn't build anything that you and I like. The Narwhal is especially well, revolting. When you go up there, the Narwhal, that, that's what I call their big SUV because I swear to you, it looks like a Narwhal. I can't, I mean, it's one of those things where the, so once that struck me, I can't get it out of my head. I mean, they do still make the whatever they call the QX50 or whatever, the one that is the, the variation of what I just recommended, the FX3540, whatever it became. Oh, yes. They still make that. It's like yes. the random one on their lineup. It's I, I'm getting it wrong, but it's like the QX70 or something. It is this rear wheel drive, slightly hot, hiding in their lineup car. They do build that SUV, but that's not the one you ever see mm-hmm. it's always the narwhal that i'm just like what is going on there yeah. yeah just yeah just throw cues and numbers at the wall and something will stick yeah and that's a you know new model from new Infinity. nomenclature perfect i'm thinking yeah porsche the, the new cayenne is coming as of this recording the 2018 cayenne is mm-hmm. not released yet true, true i have high hopes i'm hearing a lot of weight reduction of course the corporate rear end that we've now seen on the new panamera will probably be present a lot of refinement on the front end, and from a tech perspective, it could be cleaned up. Now, I know you and I like the buttons. Mm-hmm. I, it's simple, it's it's clean, but it could be overwhelming, and the screen, the digitization yeah. of everything could be appealing. It'll be... We'll see. It'll be the Panamera interior put in the Cayenne. You know it will be. Yeah. That, yeah. That, I mean, start it's, it's introduced with the, with the Panamera. It'll yeah. flow through everything, which I will miss the buttons. I agree with you. The buttons are very daunting when you first sit down, mm-hmm. and then you get used to them, and you know where everything is without even looking, which is why I like it. But mm-hmm. yeah, it's all going to go screens. My choice, though, okay. here, I'm thinking unique. Of course, like I said, Porsche was on there, but mm-hmm. Kyle, I'm going to Range Rover, going okay. to Land Rover, all right. just like you're thinking. But it's not the big boy. Okay. It's the brand newest, what I think is a unique size. It's the Velar. Really? Okay. I'm intrigued by this. I'm intrigued by the interior. I'm intrigued by the cleanliness of the design. It's not the most expensive Range Rover you can buy. True. But proportionally, it's very striking. I actually like it the best of all the Range Rovers Mm. in their lineup now. Okay. It's not a... Sport. It's not the Discovery. It's not sure. the tall roof. It's sure, not sure. the full big one that's sort of typical. It's the Range Rover that's going to make people go, huh, 
I guess. What is yeah. that? I see that. What? I see that. Well, yeah. I've never seen this. Velar, that's brand new. That's a new size. Mm-hmm. The interior is delightful. It's refreshing. It's very clean. Maybe a little too cleaned up, but it's very easy to look at. And mm-hmm. from a design perspective, the things that we relate to on a design are because they're familiar shapes. Sure. Not sure. strange. Yeah, looking, yeah, yeah. What is this shape? I mean, that makes for good horror films and good sci-fi movies, but, <laughs> but even not still... not good car design. Yeah, take your point. Even still, there's shapes in there that our eye relates to. Yeah. And so that's that's what you find here in the interior. So I'm liking this car. The more mm. I look at it, it has a nice stance. It's very cleaned up, and uh, I'm really curious about that. Plus, she's got time to go drive it. Yeah, yeah. Range Rover Velar for her. Okay, This All is right. an interesting I like it. car. I like it. Well, I'm going to go through my list real quick. It is six. It's Again, it's two on drive, two on consider, and two I think might be shortlist to possibly buy. Okay. But I was trying to think. I like the category thing. Yeah, I, I was just trying to think, okay, you've got time to dig around, and it's been Lexus two in a row. Mm-hmm. The prior one she really liked, the current one she really doesn't. Right. So let's just run around a bit and drive some things and see what strikes. That's what I'm really excited about here okay. is driving some stuff. So two on the drive list for sure, Kyle, so that your mother-in-law can get in and just you can just say to her, what do you think of that? Okay. The brand new Mazda CX-5. We talk it all the time. I just it's saw a, a new a, one. They're great looking. They're gorgeous. This, it's a class leader really at that gorgeous. price point. They're not expensive. Yeah. You know, 35 will get you a loaded one of those. The interior is very nice. The revised interior I really like. Go drive the CX-5 and see what's possible in an affordable, genuinely affordable five-seat CUV from a Japanese company. That's just mm. – I just go drive that yeah. and get a sense. That could be an interesting thing. She might say, this is a mo- – it costs how much? Exactly. I, I think that's You're why it has to be driven. And, and maybe that car surprises you so much you buy it, and I would applaud you. But mm-hmm. just go drive it because I think it may not be on your radar. Go drive that car. The other one I want you to drive because Kyle's has, has brought up uh, Range Rovers. Go drive the Evoque. Okay. All right. It's this same size. Just it's you're not going into the big boy Range Rovers. You're not going nuts, but it is right. a Range Rover. It's great looking. You can go two door, four door. Go just drive the Evoke. That four cylinder. I remember from driving it. That four cylinder always feels more powerful than than you would think. Hmm. Really pulls so, along. Yeah, it's it, it's great. I was thinking, yeah, on the on the autobiography giant Range Rover. No. No, There's no, no point. There's no point. That's just yeah. throwing money around for no reason. And the size that she's going for, I think the Evoke is very much worth driving. Sure. Two on the consider list, because I don't know that you would ever think of these. I think you should go drive them as well, because I think they're more in that kind of... Because, again, I'm obviously headed toward the Macan on the short list to buy. So I'm trying to think about competitors to that you might not think of. Okay. Two, okay. go drive the Cadillac XTS. That is their five-seat right now. It's been refreshed in like the last oh, year, yeah. 18 months. Yeah, I'm starting yeah. to see more and more of them. It's a very polarizing styling, but I would say the current Lexus RX is as well. Very polarizing styling. You're now into an American brand. It's the American Lexus, if you will. I hate to put it that way, but if you're not, you know, if you haven't been in a Cadillac in a while, this is what we're competing with, okay? Mm-hmm. So, so go consider that because it's off, may, may not be something on your short list to consider. And also to consider the Mercedes GLC. GLC's up there. We just mm-hmm. had Laura write to us yep. on yep, the last did. podcast. So the GLC is something worth driving and just going, this is what Mercedes. It's almost like when you went and drove the, the Range Rover, you go, the Evoque, you go, okay, this is what Range Rover is. Mm-hmm. You're in the mm-hmm. XTS going, this is what Cadillac does. You're in the Mercedes GLC going, this is Mercedes. And you can just really talk about what are we liking here. Mm-hmm. But since she wants classy, she wants nice place to be, tech, all these kind of things, I do think the Macan's on the extreme short list. But I also think, for places to be, Volvo XC60. Oh, the 60, the brand, brand Not new go one. 90. 60 is the right size for what we're talking about. Go drive that Volvo because if we're talking about classy, not flashy, great place to be, this kind of size, she pulls in on a Volvo XC60. It says all the right things, I think. Absolutely it does. And I keep ranting and raving about the interiors on these new Volvos. They're killing it. They're, They're killing it. Yep. I, I mean, yeah. Go go find the S ninety and the XC nineties and the, the new XC sixties. But I don't think you have to even go wrong. that high. I, I think you, the nineties, yeah. both the SUV and the sedan in the nineties, are awesome, gorgeous. But you step yeah. down, you're far cheaper. Yeah, they're not flashy cars, but they're great cars. Great styling, very classy looking, understated class, mm-hmm. but fantastic. And then you get inside and you just go, "This is amazing in here." Yeah, absolutely. And I like that neither of us ran to the most fully loaded, most expensive, not necessary possible I don't get thing that's you can the buy. Sense. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I didn't 
pick up on that either, to be honest. I and I will say, speaking, uh, Kyle, to your mother-in-law real quickly, I will say this. I say this because my mother-in-law is has gone through a string of Lexi. Yes. Lexus is killing it on service experience. The way True. you get your car serviced, True. the loaner, the way they treat you, that is almost one of one in the industry. I don't want you to judge your next car buying experience by that, but just be aware <laughs> of the fact you might lose the service experience. But if you're buying a brand new car, you shouldn't need a service experience. But I'm just saying. Hmm. Interesting. Because that that is that has almost become the biggest factor for my mother-in-law's second Lexus purchase. Actually, third Lexus purchase was just <laughs> she didn't want to walk away from the service. Yeah. And they know they got you on that too. That's yeah. part of yeah, the yeah. deal. I mean, you know, Mercedes does well. There, there's other mark, uh, you know, the marks that do well. But Lexus, really, that's what they're they're cornering their own market on that. So just be aware of the fact that you're going to be at a different dealer, different dealer experience. But you but go buy a brand new car. You shouldn't have to go there much anyway. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Agreed. Well, guys, uh, really hope that helps. Kyle, say hello to your mother-in-law if she's not already listening. Uh, hope these suggestions help. And, uh, yeah, when she does decide, let us know. We'll be curious to uh, see what she ends up on and hope it's uh, hope it works out. So, guys, thank you again. But, yeah, jump into questions. So many on here. Yeah. Thank you so much. When we post up, I think all of you are waiting. What's the photo? <laughs> what's the what's yeah. going to be? Yeah. And uh, we've been having fun on Instagram lately. But uh, jumping right into Cajun Michael's question here on Facebook. Okay. Cajun, you've, uh, or Michael, you... You ask a lot of questions, and they're they're really well thought out. But you're you're collecting tips about owning and driving a car, so you don't forget when the time comes for you to own something interesting and hot. That you'll have all these sort of tips and, and tricks in your tool bag. It's there. it's for it's for his first child when they start driving. He's trying to think of all of the things mm-hmm. that you have to pass on as a dad for your first time driver. Remember to do this. Yes, yes. No, I'm glad you cleared that up. It's not for him. It's it's. Uh, down the road. He's like a year away from first driver, and he's so worried about not saying that stuff that, okay, well, you have to remember this. He's wondering <laughs> what those are. Yeah. For me, Michael, is ramp angle. Now, ramp angle is the front and rear of the car when you pull up to something yeah. going down a hill, and you go into the water drainage ditches that are concrete or you know, coming up a, a steep driveway, something like that. I see this all the time. As a matter of fact, there's a lady who drives a Mercedes SL in my neighborhood and she comes down the hill, comes to a stop, and then goes straight, like, I mean, the hill where it meets the flat oh. ground. Oh. And I hear this crunch, this awful sound every time, like, approach it at an angle. Yeah. Just position your car and learn to drive at an angle and ease through things like that. Learn to read the road instead of just that's, that's huge. Yeah. blindly coming into something and bouncing off the front of your tow hooks. Yeah. Or worse, yeah. you know, damaging the undercarriage or oil sure. pan or something yeah. like that. Uh, yeah, because the suspension cannot qu- it cannot rebound quickly enough, especially at that ramp angle. So front and rear overhangs. Yeah, those yeah. those overhangs mm-hmm. dictate the ramp angle. Obviously, four by fours have a taller ramp angle. And of they course, can climb up something, especially Jeep Wranglers, that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. But cars, they cannot. And when you come in at speed, the whole front's going down, and then the you know the engine settles yeah. on the oh. on the tires, and it's just like this. Bam! This may be the only thing oh. in driving. That stance guys are better at than anyone else. That's true. That's a good point. The people that stance their cars know more about angles to get over speed bumps and tiny little pedals that pebbles than anybody else that yeah. drives. And I have to think about it now a little bit in the Elise. But yeah, you do. But I mean, what's interesting low. is uh, I'm very low. But what's interesting is if you look at that car in profile, the wheels are almost on the four corners. So if I right, come right. come a, a, against a speed bump or one of these ditches you're talking about with the water flow into a driveway, if I go anything off of straight on, I'm probably fine. Mm-hmm. If I find one that's problematic, I just go a little bit off of straight at it. But you're right, straight at it, I'd be scraping it up. I mean, curb bump stops are another one where you don't have to pull the car all the way forward onto the sidewalk to park. True. Yeah. Learn to park in the space and have visual cues and mm-hmm. you know get to know the corners of your car and have visual space around you or just sort of imagine that car around you. So yeah, you that's good. Think in 3D. Think of that car around you. That's excellent. Michael, I'm going to say, jumping off of that, that's actually a great segue. Jumping off of that, I want to say two things that struck me. First off, this is not a, like a, a, a statement. It's, a, it's an exercise. Okay. Take that young driver to an empty parking lot. Go to Walmart and buy those little "they cost you nothing" six-inch cones. Oh yeah, and set up things like parking spaces. 
Good one. And get them to do stuff that runs over the cones. Yeah, destroy the cones. You know, you can try a parking space. You can try a really narrow parking space. You can try set up a very low-speed little slalom just to see how close they can get it so they realize, oh, I have to be that close to hit the cone. That's where the tire is Mm -hmm. because it's you don't want to discover that when you're driving normally. But whatever car your young driver is going to drive, you want them to know exactly what Paul's saying. You want them to know how big is this car and where are my tires. And running over a cone or not running over a cone tells you that information mm-hmm. very sure. quickly. So I would, I would recommend that. I would also say teach them that they should not be able to see the sides of their car in their side mirrors. Oh, thank you for saying this. We've touched on this before, mm-hmm. but thank you for bringing that You just up. go – and here's the thing. You just go to where you can barely see the edge of the car and then just one – tick out that's now right you mm. shouldn't be able to see this down the sides of your car and your side mirrors no oh, i like that all right what uh what questions do you have here uh dominic brown wrote in on facebook and he said <laughs> he's got a large family family of six and he said is it really necessary to have two family haulers if we have a family of six <laughs> can't one of these cars be small and fun they already have the family minivan so dominic i'm going to throw the question back at you and say What's your schedule of the week? What's Monday through Friday look like? Because if you, Dominic, are in a situation where your wife takes your four kids somewhere, but after work you have to pick up all four, you may be in trouble. <laughs> I mean, there, you may not have an option, you know, because you just got to get four kids in car seats into a car and you got to pick them. But if that's not happening, then absolutely not. If, if your weekly schedule is a situation where you're going to pick up one or two, Mm-hmm. then get yourself a two plus two. Get yourself a small whatever. That's fine. But if you are, your schedule regularly means, okay, honey, I'll pick up all four kids and I can't take your van, you're stuck. <laughs> V10 you know? Econoline, welcome to it. <laughs> well, but, but see, my wife and I do this navigation, especially now with the Elise. My wife and I do this yeah. navigation where she has the Cayenne. If I want to take the dog anywhere, if I want to take the bikes anywhere, it will not be in the Elise. So we right. just have to look at our schedule and coordinate, right. and I have to go, all right, I'm coming to you. We're swapping cars to get it done. But she likes the fun car. I like the fun little car. We just sure. navigate the schedule. So that's the other part of it, Dominic, is just figuring out what is our schedule. Can we trade cars so that, honey, I'll give you the fun car for the afternoon, and I'll pick up the kids, but i gotta, I got to get the van from you at some point. I think that's a real option. So you really have to look at your schedule. But I would say, honestly, if you, if you have more than five people in your family – you're going to wind up with something three-row. You just are. But you've done that. You have the minivan. Sure. But it doesn't mean that's all you have to drive. <laughs> We're here to free you from that kind of thinking. Hopefully. Hopefully, yeah. <laughs> no, that's great. Uh, what else? I've got one over here on Facebook from uh, Kyle. He's asking me, with the advent of Todd's new Lotus, when <laughs> am I finally getting into a BMW? In all seriousness. And somebody else wrote to me and said, when am I getting rid of the Jeep and getting a Cayenne? I, uh, as you know, I've canceled the M2 order. Well, it mm-hmm. was never an order, so I didn't have anything to cancel. It was just, give me my deposit back. I'm tired of waiting. Mm-hmm. And I I love the M3s. I do. And I that M2 still intrigues the daylights out of me. I thought I was going that direction. I really mm-hmm. did. But then the Cayman GTS pulled me right back in. That's where I'm at. So I've, I have not thought about... Uh, Getting rid of the Cayman, that has not crossed my mind, to be honest. I'm hoping to hang on to it as long as possible. And, and what I find funny is any time you actually start looking at fun cars and then go drive your Cayman, it embeds itself further. It doesn't matter how far you were into looking, you yeah. drive the Cayman, you get out, you're like, yeah, I'm never getting rid of this car. I just told you the other day when we were driving, I thought, oh, huh, doesn't really feel like it has enough power. That's because I'm under 5,500 RPMs. Yeah. And then when I really crank it up, I'm like, oh, right. There it is. Okay, never mind. <laughs> oh, and we're fine. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't sound like much on paper, but. No. I yeah, hear you. It, I hear it you. moves. Yeah, it absolutely. That, that car flies. <laughs> and it hides its speed so well. That's the thing that continues to shock me about your car. You looked at it and you go, oh, my gosh, yeah. how did I get there? I mean, that happens every time you drive that thing. So funny. Yeah, it happened again when we were going. But uh, like, oh, there's the power. I forgot. I forgot. Anyway, it's it's one of those engines that you got to wind out. It's not a drag race car by any means, but, yeah. but so fun. So anyway, back to the BMW. I'm still thinking about it. I mean, to be honest, I have really 
considered a like an eighties nine eleven maybe again, but does that no one's surprised? But yes, way too much into the deep end. I mean, I'm already there. I definitely want to trade the Jeep in at some point for a yeah. Cayenne. It won't be the new one. I I don't think it'll be the new one. It'll be. I'm looking for a 15 or 16 somewhere in there with the new mm. 918 Spider steel style oh, steering sure. wheel. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think that's kind of the the yeah. sweet spot, and it doesn't even have to be the full boat. Anything. Well, but if you're shopping 15s, if you're shopping 15s, you're about to be into a three-year-old car that, with the 18 coming out, is going to be three-year-old car from the quote-unquote old body style. Right. Those are going to be comparatively now affordable. Right. Right. I mean, they're they're not going to be hundred thousand dollar cars anymore. They're going to be fifty. Which you know, you know, know, getting the price of the you know price for the Jeep and exactly once you get out of the Jeep, you're going to be almost there. Yeah. 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 So yeah, I'm thinking about it, but. I guess since the M2 Dream died for the moment, I haven't really picked the BMW mantle back up. As as you've said, you have a Porsche and you're about to buy a porch. Yeah. This is what yes. really is going on in your life. The deck is falling off the back of my house because the wood is rotting inside the paint. It's hidden the rotted yeah. wood and you can, yeah, I can twist the bolts with my fingers. That's how bad it's it bad is. News. It's bad news. It's like yeah. I have to pay money anyway. Uh, Craig, you wrote an interesting question on Facebook that uh, you actually kind of uh, wrote to me on the one area where I am plagued, actually. Uh, Mm -hmm. You asked, have I ever had or have either one of us ever had buyer's remorse after purchasing a car? Why the remorse and how do we remedy it? So this is an interesting thing that is into my into my history. Long before we started the show, I had I'd been married five minutes. Okay, I'm in my mid twenties. I've been married five minutes. My wife had a Jeep Wrangler. She loved. She had it. She'd had it for a couple of years from brand new. When we were engaged, she she had it, uh, and she loved that car so much. But we got married, and we realized we wanted something a little more just kind of all purpose usable. We'd been married maybe a year. Okay, and I'm quote-unquote, the car guy of the marriage. But I'm mostly ignorant, and I'm certainly ignorant as far as going into a dealer and negotiating and buying a car. Mm-hmm. We found a GMC Yukon that we really liked that was used. That's right. We traded right. in her Jeep, and we bought the Yukon. Now, the good part of the story is we bought the Yukon at about 60,000 miles. We drove it till 250,000 miles. It was an amazing truck. It served you well. It did everything we ever wanted. Yeah. Over that time, we put a transmission in it, but it just right. it, it just ran. Holy cow. And it was an amazing truck in all kinds of weather. went to Mammoth. So ultimately, the story ends up really well. But the bad part of it is I did everything wrong at this used car dealer. And it was a used car dealer that pulled every trick in the book, and they got me on every one. They, mm. they got me on telling me what the Jeep was worth and what features it had on it, even though I, somewhere in the back of my mind, knew they were telling me wrong and I didn't fight it. Mm. They got us on what the Yukon should have been paid for, what it was worth. Mm. I mean, ev- they pulled every trick and got us. They sold that. us an extra warranty that was actually terrible and rarely actually paid out. Of course they did. I mean, honestly, think think of oh. the used car scam. They got me on, like, check the boxes. They got me on them all. Oh, my gosh. And I realized about 24, 36 hours later after buying the car was like, we got screwed. And it's my fault. Mm. And it plagued me for weeks. Hmm. I didn't realize that. Thankfully, thankfully, the truck was awesome. It was awesome. My wife loved it, and we had it for a long time. She loved it so much that when we got the Acadia, the Acadia, which was brand new, the Yukon wasn't. We got the Acadia. She never liked it half as much as that Yukon. Yeah, I remember. She always talked about it. She, she still, still talks about She still talks about the Yukon, yeah. and she loves, her, she loves her Cayenne. So what's happened to me is I've become much more educated but it, but don't talk to me 24 hours after I buy a car. It happened with the Lotus. <laughs> Did it. 24 hours after I buy a car, I am convinced I just got taken advantage of. Hmm. It just it, And I hate to say it, but it just plagues me. I'm suddenly besieged by I got taken, and it's because of that experience. Hmm. Now, I don't, I've never felt that way since. Since then, every car I've bought, even if it's needed stuff, this Lotus needs some shakedown stuff done. Sure. Well, you know, because it's, it's a 10-year-old car, if nothing else. So, you know, it's just going to cost some money, not because it's a Lotus, at least because it's a 10-year-old car, you know. Yeah. But, yeah. So there's, there's stuff that has to be done. But anytime that stuff raises its head when I buy a car, I'm right back to that mid-20s guy getting taken advantage of. And it's not really the case anymore, but that one just – it hurt me, honestly. Wow. Wow. I think mine was uh, my first Porsche, the 928, 
And I don't know if you remember, but I bought it when I was gainfully employed mm -hmm. at a design consultancy. And I bought it one month before September 11th, 2001. Hmm. When the economy crashed, when mm -hmm. I, I, I mean, he couldn't afford to keep designers on staff after that. So I was let go and I was just freaked. It wasn't necessarily about the car, but it's sure it's, sure. you know, how, but it's sitting there now. How yeah. am I going to pay for this thing? Oh my gosh. I just bought the world's most expensive money pit. What did I do? Why did I choose this? And <laughs> yeah. before I was thinking, ah, maybe time, you know, I've got a real job moving up in the world, maybe time to treat myself, you know, that kind of thing. And then when I lost my job, it was like, oh. you idiot. Oh, what man. did you do? Why? Yeah, that's hard. But nobody could see it coming. Of, of course, course not. Yeah. I ended up freelancing. I had a business, a design consultancy for 10 years, and I kept that thing for three years. So mm -hmm. I, you just never know. But I, it, that moment was mm. just, as did everybody. As you remember, yeah. the yeah, yeah, economy yeah. just took a nosedive. Everything crashed. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, a lot of people lost their jobs, and I was one of them. And uh, it was just due to work, lack of work coming into the design consultancy. They couldn't afford to keep wow. keep designers. So I was this cool designer driving around in this hot car and like, yeah. what am I doing? Yeah. I'm, I'm such a poser. <laughs> <laughs> but it was, but that was just you entering the shallow end of the pool of Porsche. Exactly. You were just, just tiptoeing your way in. Who knew what was That's coming? Start. Yes. <laughs> and then the more I read, the more I experience, I'm like, there's this whole world I didn't know about. Uh -huh. Look, they make watches and pants. <laughs> totally. Cologne. Oh, Must get that. It's the best. Love it. <laughs> uh, Michael wrote in on Facebook and said, I, I, this is jumping off where we just were, uh, have we never seriously considered an American car when buying for, our, for ourselves? I've actually owned multiple. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and my what wife, up until the Cayenne, everything she drove was American. She had a Ford Explorer. She had a Jeep Wrangler. She had a GMC Yukon. I came up, again, before buying my uh, 370Z, uh, I mean my 300ZX, sorry, uh, before buying my Z car, the, all the cars in my life had been American cars. Mm -hmm. My dad, again, had right. a string of Caprice classics. The, the reason, Michael, that I don't typically seek them out personally for my car is because of the kind of thing, as I started driving a lot of things, because of the kind of thing I started realizing I liked. I like small and lightweight that is about mm -hmm. hanging on to speed, not powering out. That is not traditionally what American car makers make. Mm -hmm. yeah. I, look, I'm the guy that talks up the Chevy SS. I think it's impressive. I'm the guy that talks up, you know, get a big fun sedan. I like the Corvette. I like the Camaro. I even like the GT350 Mustang, and I've traditionally not been a Mustang fan. My dad owned Mustangs. They still never resonated with me. Mm. But the GT350, I'm like, why don't we all buy one? But but I <laughs> exactly. but I if I'm gonna have the choice between something like that great GT three fifty or the new Camaro or or Corvette versus something tiny like the Lotus, I prefer the Lotus. America doesn't make that. If Chevy made a Miata fighter, I'd seriously consider that car. I mean the Pontiac Solstice was a yes. great example yes. of a modern tiny American car. Absolutely, and it, it was didn't cool. Last. It didn't, unfortunately. I don't know that it was necessarily due to lack of interest. It was you know, killing the brand name mm -hmm. and it was due to market economy stuff and all totally, that kind of totally, thing. Totally, totally, yeah. But American cars, I mean, American car manufacturers don't do the tiny thing. They don't do the tiny rear-wheel drive. That's just that's not, don't. That's not what they've done. You're right, absolutely. I mean, yeah, you did have an affair with an Audi 80 or was it an Audi 100? Uh, like it was the Audi months? 90. It was a the 90. Audi 90. Okay. We had it for about six months. Yeah. It was a like a bridge car between a, an Explorer <laughs> that was dying and the Nissan Z. Where do I put all this extra money in my pockets? Oh, I know, an Audi 90. <laughs> how do I just, how do I get a rolling cash fire? How do I do that? <laughs> I, I want to burn cash, but I want to be in motion at the same time. Exactly. Buy a used Audi 90. Done. And we have your solution. Um, yeah, I've uh, made the joke before. I have a Jeep, Grand Cherokee, which is the prior generation Mercedes ML chassis. True. German. Yeah, yeah. The company is completely owned by the Italians. The engine is built in Mexico, and the car's assembled in Detroit. So, is it American? <laughs> Where is your car from? <laughs> don't know. Identity crisis. I don't really know. So, we'll call it American. I My family is a Ford family. I worked at Ford. I mm -hmm. worked I as remember. a designer yeah. for Ford. And my whole family owns Ford. They're just, yeah, Ford people. My dad has a huge SUV. And, yeah. You know, my sister and her brother-in-law are, yeah, just own a huge F-350 diesel in yeah. Alaska. It's like walking into the dealer and going, what's the largest thing you have with a lot? I'll take that. Gosh, when we were towing the boat, we were 53 feet long. I mean, wow. just 
<laughs> and the boat is 10 feet, six inches wide. Lanes are 11 feet. Mm. Learning how to drive a trailer. Yeah, be sure you com. do that right. Man, oh, man. <laughs> All right. Uh, what else is on here? Gosh, so much fun stuff. Um, hmm. What tech are we excited for? What fuel efficiency technology? New clean diesels, the 48-volt mild hybrids, electric accessories, full electric. What are we really excited for coming down the pike here? What I actually do like, I really like what all of the manufacturers did with the latest round of hypercars, where you have very mm. powerful engines, mm. but before they get onto their really powerful area, they are Torque filled by electric. Mm -hmm. I think that's I think that's awesome, and and I like yeah. I like the idea yeah. that I mean Porsche did it more this way with the 918. But whereas you know you had Ferrari on one end where you can't run full electric at all, McLaren in the middle, and then mm -hmm. Porsche on the other end where you can just run full electric. That's the idea I really like, where yeah. you can have the option. I, I it's the best example to shorthand it, but it's not the way I want it executed. But it's the Chevy Volt concept, hmm. okay, where you can run electric. And you can run, I mean, like the current Chevy Volt. You can run electric now or you can run electric later. I, I could get in a Chevy Volt here in Park City, drive it all on gas. I mean, I realize it's a gas generator, but drive it all, right. use burning right. gas to get to Salt Lake and to sit in traffic in Salt Lake only running on the battery. You could just right. take, take your option and go window and work the battery. That idea I like a lot because I feel like it's the best of both worlds. We don't have an international charging or national charging infrastructure, certainly not one that's fast. No. So no. the option to be able to just uh, – I can fill up in, in three minutes with gas and just keep going indefinitely, that's usable. But yet having the electric option and then being able to use both to make the car even more powerful, I think that's the best on all fronts. Yeah, I like the trickle-down tr technology from the supercars. And I, I just wonder – this is a hard one for me because you're right. The Volt is, the way you're describing it, ideal. Mm -hmm. It really is. But they just haven't caught on in terms of sales. True, yeah. I mean, the Fisker yeah, yeah. Karma was that spaceship from the future doing that. Mm -hmm. Nothing. Mm -hmm. And the Volt, it, we're on the second generation now, but it hasn't caught fire, True. metaphorically speaking. We don't want it to get <laughs> We don't fire. want it literally. Yeah, I get the it. The sales numbers haven't caught fire. Everybody just seems to be enchanted by full electric cars. But for me, and I know for you too, a big part of the experience is the sound. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. And when we all go electric hot sports cars, that that's a big chunk of my experience that goes missing. That's an interesting point. Yeah. The Porsche Mission E, that's coming out. Yeah. I know it is. It's going to be awesome, blah, but it's not going to have any vibration and sound. And mm, that's mm. part of the experience for me, sure. for Porsches. Sure. Come yeah. on. Will there ever be an electric Mustang? That's a great point. Uh, sacrilege. Well, you know, you're bringing up the point that, you know, as we talk about electric and you're talking about Porsche, it, it reminds me of this reality. The people we've, we've heard of and talked about and every journalist on the planet that's talked about how the problem with the 718 is the sound. Mm -hmm. Well, if you're bothered by the fact that you're now in a four-cylinder, how much are you going to be bothered by the fact that it now doesn't have an exhaust note? Right. If the 718 yeah. at least sounding like a four-cylinder doesn't work, we've got a problem. Yeah. It's an interesting point. I'm just – I'm putting that out there. This is a tough one for me. Mm -hmm. I just – I'm intrigued by electric. I'm intrigued by tech. Mm -hmm. But taking that away from me, the the crazy, obnoxious, crackly downshift that my car does, <laughs> I love <laughs> I know that. You do. I find excuses to make that happen. I stick it in sport mode and drop into second gear and just jump off say the you gas. Did. Yeah. And yeah, it yeah. echoes off canyon walls. <laughs> it's glorious. Yeah. I yeah. find excuses. That's gone with electric cars. Mm. Completely gone. So uh, they it has their place. The the commute, the sedan, the mm -hmm. long Absolutely, distance. Yeah. Electric cars eventually will go longer than you can hold anything in your bladder or anything in your gas tank. Sure, of course. They will yeah. go 800 miles, will. no problem. Of course they will, yeah. But that's what they're going to be great for. Of course. But for us sports car enthusiasts, I mean, the Tesla Roadster was a toe in the pool. Yeah. By the way, yeah. I'd love to get a Tesla Roadster with your car would be as a fast blast. Yeah, that'd be great. Kind of that'd be really camera. cool. The really cool. I comparison. mean, they relate. That'd be for sure. Uh, for that'd sure. be fun. There's got to be one locally that we could source. That would be yeah. a very cool shoot. I agree. Yeah. You know, another one I just thought of tech wise that I would like to see, and I know pieces of what I'm about to describe exist. 
But I want to see it in a mundane, you know, like let's say I'd like to see this in a Mazda 3 or pick your $30,000 Honda Civic. I'd like to see a fully configurable IP. The instrument panel is a a screen Mm. that you can – every person can configure it exactly what they want to see. And I don't want – any manufacturer nav screen or technology, I want to be able to plug my phone in because oh. the phone does all of that. Oh, the yeah. phone is the nav screen we want. It's the music we need. Everything you it carry is. in your pocket, that's all you want anyway. I want to be able to plug the phone in. So the, the car manufacturer is just worried about the information that the car will give me in the instrument panel mm-hmm. merged with my phone and touchscreen. Imagine just taking an iPad and going, no, put this here, and I'll put that there. I want a big tack in the center. I want music in the corner, but I want you to configure it like this. I want this other information. I want temperature and oil pressure, which most people don't care about, but I want those things. I want that in this corner. Fully configurable screen that works with the phone. I know all of the pieces of what I've just described exist, but I want that in just all cars. Just go do it. Yeah. No, you're touching on the in-car experience, which is what every car manufacturer is testing and dealing, creating mm-hmm. internal scenarios to explore yeah. in terms of design. Mm-hmm. What will this be? Because interiors are getting so important. I mean, they obviously are. But with any cool new features, autonomy, whatever that is, the interior's got to be where it's at. Yeah. So. You're talking about that in-car in experience, which is fascinating. Yeah. And it's going to be different for everybody, which is so cool. Well, yeah, I agree with you. But but I think, you know, I still want to be able to be out, out there and be driving and involved. I want to be involved. Yeah, absolutely. But I'd love to be able to say, these are the things I want to see, and this is how I want to interact. I mean, you think about it. <laughs> of all enthusiasts, you are the most easily you know, translatable to the electric future because you'll just buy a Tesla Roadster and just keep on going, right? I mean, my car shopping goes here. That's funny. (laughs) Uh, What else? I'm thinking uh, Turo. Kyle N. is asking, if we were to put a car on Turo for other people to rent, what would it be? Hmm. Going pickup truck. I'm going just cold, hard cash, moneymaker. Maybe. You need a pickup truck? I got your pickup truck right here. Go beat on it. It'll take the abuse. I think I think in the short term, I would go Tesla. Would you? Because I think they have enough intrigue for people yeah, yeah. that you can get them rented. And I also think there's I – think, I think they would rent regularly, and I don't think there's much to break. Because yeah. you think yeah. you treat rental cars bad. That's what's now happening to your Turo car. <laughs> I mean, we've been to LA, and we've found like high-performance, nice cars on Turo, and I just think – Okay, we're not going to be nice to this, and we still might be the nicest people that rented it. I mean, we found a creaky old Ferrari 348. Yeah, all bad. Like, whoa. All bad. Here's your switch gear and your door handles back. Yeah, and how much seat. money does that cost to get it back up to spec every time you get it back from a renter? That's, that's a nightmare right there. What about a Model 3? You think somebody's going to put a Model 3 on Turo? Oh, I'm sure. Oh, I'm sure. That could be an interesting way to jump into that car, yeah. too. I mean, just get, get experience with it. Mm-hmm. That's totally. kind of what I'm thinking. Yeah. What else? Anything else on your list here? Uh, I've got a couple others. Uh, Staryu on uh, Instagram asked the question, have I ever thought about getting my son into karting? Hmm. Yes, but money is an object. Um, everyone I know that does karting with their kids, it's forget the time for a second, that is a money pit of a child's hobby. Uh, and I do not have the money for that. Now there is a, a stepping stone to Formula One. Yeah, clearly, yeah, that's exactly what's going to happen with my son. <laughs> no, but but seriously, uh, he really does like karting. We've been to K One Speed a few times, and he thoroughly enjoys that. And actually, K One Speed has a little series that they do, and sure. all electric cars have a little sure. series that they do for kids. I've thought about it, and I'm going to kind of gauge his interest because that feels like a fairly inexpensive way for him to try it competitively. Because he really enjoys it, but he hasn't. He hasn't fully connected the competition with the how do I get better yet. He just enjoys being out there. He enjoys – he's like his dad in this regard. He enjoys chasing his lap times and just going, oh, I did a little better there. Why did I do better? But he hasn't really connected that up to, oh, I need to do better than that person. Mm-hmm. That's not really in his headspace yet, which I'm fine with. So that might be an interesting way to do it. If he wanted to do it, that's great. But everyone I know that does it, it's such an expensive hobby for kids. <laughs> I mean, I do not have this kind of cash, but okay. Yeah, pouring money into that. Uh, oh, well, uh, B. Raup on uh, Instagram asked both of us, what would we change about each of our cars? Mm. That could be something to touch on real quickly here. Um, I am chasing gremlins, 
in the Lotus uh, Cobra Alarm. That is the OEM alarm. Oh, yes. But it's from the Cobra company. I had an aftermarket Cobra Alarm on my 300ZX, and it was the bane of my existence on that car. Somehow I have worked my way back to a car with a Cobra Alarm, and I have been trolling the Lotus Talk forums about ways to kill this alarm because it just does little weird things. Yeah, water makes it do funny things. Yeah, they, yeah. We, after washing, hand washing the car this weekend, it decided to, that it, the siren just doesn't like getting wet, which is going to be a little problematic when it starts to rain. <laughs> yeah, so that would be the first thing I would change is I just – I don't want anything that feels like an aftermarket – alarms have come so far in 10 years. I don't want anything that feels like the old key fob – it yeah. chirps and it's done alarm. Those those are just problematic. That that's the fast change. I'd change on the Cayman the inner fender liners. There's they they just there's half of the fender liner just gone. It's just the upper part of it is just the sheet metal. It's just the chassis up really? in there. Huh. Of course, it's all coated with all the you know the metal yeah. yeah yeah you know protective stuff on it that they dip it in, but. There's no plastic fender liner. There's no shaved monkey fur. None of that stuff up in there. <laughs> you know what I'm fur. talking about. I, I do know what you mean, but it's Audis, just still funny. Know? Yeah. None of that stuff because the car just takes all the gravel on the road and throws it up into the wheel uh-huh. wells. Yeah. And it sounds like a rock tumbler. Mm-hmm. It sounds expensive and like things are breaking. And yeah. Just, yeah. Yeah. I cringe. And of course, you know, rocks. You know, in Utah, it's construction season right now. So yeah, it's build season. They're building everywhere. It just the tires just throw rocks oh, yeah. up into the car. This is the downside of having good summer tires. Yeah, I mean, I'd like to change those tires out. I'd really like to see what it'll do with Michelin's, but yeah, I feel like the the uh, Goodyear Eagle F ones are just breaking loose too soon. Hmm. I'm trying to hmm. get on it in corners, and they just kind of get all just hard and slick. And interesting. They're not hmm. putting the power down. So okay, anyway. okay. Guys, thank you so much for listening, for watching. We really, really appreciate it. And uh, keep the questions coming. If you've got your own car debate, write to us on the website, everydaydriver.com and everydaydrivertv at gmail.com. Yeah, definitely. You can uh, you can reach us there. And if you've got comments, any of that, please let us know. And, we read uh, all your ratings and reviews, yeah. so we appreciate it very much. Again, thank you so much. Looking forward to next time. Cheers, everyone. Technology Truths, brought to you by GEICO. Technology Truths. Truth, you will certainly send any text about your supervisor to your supervisor. What's with Janet's bangs? Did she lose a bet with a weed whacker? <laughs> LOL. And sent. Wait, no, 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 no. Truth, it's so easy to switch and save on car insurance at GEICO.com. Janet, I think my phone was hacked or something. GEICO, 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. ADT can design and install a smart home just for you, backed by 24-7 protection. A new smart home at your service, customized for your lifestyle. Set up custom automations unique to your home to automatically do the things like lock the doors or set the thermostat when you leave. Even close your garage door from virtually anywhere. ADT will set up your home with multiple smart home devices and security features like indoor and outdoor cameras, locks, lights, and garage door control, even video doorbells. Visit ADT.com slash podcasts to learn more about how ADT can design and install a secure smart home just for you.